All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where here we are, the 77th Hunger Games. May the force be ever in our favor. Mortal Kombat! Uh, But no, seriously, this is where the rubber meets the road. An unprecedented title contending run awaits the Lakers as the potential seventh seed and as a play-in competitor. The road to 18 starts here. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how does it feel to be in Mortal Kombat? And I guess more semi-more seriously, does this end to the season having won five straight give you a little bit of a very poor man's version of the tumultuous 2001 season? 2001 season? Whoa, I was not uh, ready for well, that Okay, so like just to recap, 2001 season, Kobe and Shaq squabbles galore all throughout the season, very heavily publicized in the media, didn't feel like that team had any cohesion or continuity. And then they kind of got their shit together, and that's when the term flipping the switch, you know, came about, at least for the Lakers. And then they won eight straight, and then 15-1. and They only lost one game against the Sixers. I call this a poor man's version, but I don't know what your, you know, confidence level is in relation to that. Yeah, I mean, it is, I guess there are some parallels. I think it's pretty exciting. I mean, look, it... I didn't want to be the team that was like, you know, the team that we mocked last year and essentially and the Clippers being like, you know, oh, it only matters who's healthy in the playoffs and nothing else matters. No, other things do matter. Um, but all that said, I think, you know, it, it they closed the season strong. There was some amount of cohesion. I feel like the offense looks like it's coming around. The defense you can kind of count on will, you know, they'll be able to flip a switch there. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm super, super excited. I don't know that I ever was not like that. I, I think I was always kind of optimistic about how we'd look in the playoffs, but given how everything kind of shook out, even though we have to deal with the play-in game, looking ahead at like our potential matchups moving forward through the Western Conference Finals, I feel pretty good about where things ended up. Yeah, and we'll talk in this episode about some silver linings of our position now that we're obviously here. Um so yeah, I I think a very loose connection to the 2001 season just in terms of at least we're gaining momentum at the right time. And while it doesn't seem like everything's firing on all cylinders, we have seen, I think, enough from the ancillary edges, like with regards to certain players kind of rounding into form, most notably, obviously, Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron James came back for the last game. Obviously, he tweaked his ankle a little bit. And I think that's the biggest difference from the 2001 season, right, where I think that season was marred by just uh, chemistry strife more than injuries because Kobe and Shaq were healthy uh, throughout the whole season. And in fact, well, actually, arguably, right, because Kobe's gripe with Shaq was that he wouldn't get in shape, but that's a different sort of health But the main difference is that our two superstars this season are a little bit gimpy and banged up, more more so LeBron than Anthony Davis. And so everything's going to fall on health, ultimately. Um, And I think this may actually be the shakiest health-wise we've been as defending champions, wouldn't you say, when it comes to our two superstar players? I don't remember another season where we had just won a title, we're defending it, and like Kobe or Powell are both like, 80%, 80%, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, I mean, in the Kobe and Shaq years, there were... I mean, Shaq was always kind of 
banged up here and there throughout the course of the season. Uh, there were some years where Kobe had some injuries. I, I, I can't remember. It might've been the first year and in, in the 2000 championship, he like had broken his hand and missed like a chunk of games in the beginning. Um, he had an ankle thing come up at some point in one of those runs, but yeah, no, I mean, to your point, it, so much of our team is based around LeBron and AD and they are both, I mean, it's like Stu says this all the time on the telecast, but every single time AD falls down, it's like all of Los Angeles, you know, holds their breath because it's, right. it seems so fragile. And I think the biggest thing this year too, is while we've had injuries to our superstars in the past, it's never happened right before the playoffs almost. Uh, the closest one I can remember is probably Andrew Bynum, like pretty much every single year he's been a Laker. Um, so this will be interesting to see how like they inevitably navigate this, but at the very least, it seems like AD is like 85, 90%. Um, and as we've seen with LeBron James, I don't even feel like you need to have LeBron James be a hundred percent because he just draws so much attention and, and his gravity and his ability to pass already does so much for your team. Um, with that said, the Lakers finished the season 42 and 30. They're in seventh place right now, uh, but they obviously head into the play-in games versus the eighth seed Warriors to hopefully solidify that spot. As I mentioned, they ended the regular season on a five-game winning streak and also as the number one defensive team in the entire NBA. Given how much time Anthony Davis and LeBron James both missed, obviously you give Frank Vogel all the credit in the world and you give the players all the credit for just continuing to be scrappy, gritty, and bringing that hustle. Also, I'm happy to announce that I will be at the game tomorrow at the Hunger Games, this historic, unprecedented game. Uh, Tommy and I were talking about it off air, but I I honestly don't know what to expect. I haven't been to a game since Tommy, Allen, and I were at the Atlanta Hawks game in 2019, November, when Kobe and Gianna were there. I mean, it's, it's nuts to think that it spans that far back. I don't know if you were at a game after that, but that was literally my last game. Um, So there's going to be a lot to take in, obviously. Uh, I was telling Tommy that I think it could be one of the best games just in terms of this is literally unprecedented because you get a random Game 7 atmosphere out of nowhere. But at the same time, I'm sure it's going to be eerie and bizarre because you're not going to get the Game 7 type atmosphere from the crowd. So... I don't know. I'm excited regardless. Uh, And uh, yeah, so I'll let you guys know how that goes. Um, Okay, so for our first segment, Tommy, let's talk about um, some silver linings of the position that the Lakers are in. Um, Currently, I mean, if the Lakers are going to do this in terms of defend their title, they will have to be the lowest seed to ever win a championship or to make it to the finals, besting even the six-seed Rockets back in 94-95. Um, Just like that Rockets team, they will need to go throughout the playoffs without home court advantage, provided there are no other upsets going on in different series. Um, I'll start off by saying the number one benefit right now is the Lakers' first-round pick gained a lot of value. Um, It's going to be in the 21 to 23 range. I think it's a little ridiculous that we just don't get the 21 um, spot outright and that they're still doing a coin toss between us, Dallas, and... um, I forgot what other team we have to do the coin toss with. Portland. But I guess that's how we're going to determine who gets 21, 22, 23, even though we don't have better positioning than those two in the play. It doesn't doesn't make intuitive sense to me, but whatever. (laughs) Those are the rules. Regardless, the Lakers are going to have, you know, when it comes to 
a defending title, usually we're in the 25 to like 30 range. So the fact that we could get at worst a number 23 pick, whether that's to actually start to bolster our future or to trade it again or use it as a trade asset, I think that's uh, that's great. I mean, I think this year I forgot who was in the 23 range, but you probably could have gotten like a Malachi Flynn or something like that. So that's one positive. Um, but I guess for you, like what are some silver linings about where the Lakers now find themselves? I think the biggest one by far is just the way the seating, you know, ended up in the West. I, you know, we were, everybody wanted to avoid the play-in. And I, of course, in hindsight, I certainly did. But I think more important than avoiding the play-in was avoiding our biggest competition up front. And I view our biggest competition as the Clippers. Um, mm-hmm. I think we could beat the Clippers. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. I think we're as good or better, certainly on paper, than we were last year in in some respects. But I think we need time to get to that point. Now, if I knew the Clippers were going to tank to fourth to avoid us until the Western Conference Finals, I would have been, you know, obviously pushing a lot more to get to to sixth. And, and, you know, obviously we didn't do anything to affect our seeding. We won five straight. We just kind of let the cards fall as they may. I feel like that put us in there with really good basketball karma. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, Second silver lining, I think, is reps. Um, Practices, you know, around the league, and especially for the Lakers, has been so weird all season. Of course, the Lakers, because of the injuries. I mean, Anthony Davis missed 36 games in the 72-game season. He missed missed half the year. LeBron missed 27 or 28. Um, Schroeder missed, like, 12. You know, Marcus Gasol missed a handful and then, for some reason, didn't play in in another handful. So... You know, it's we were dealing with guys in and out of the lineup and weird injuries and nicks and, you know, bruises and weird, you know, COVID-related people missing games and all that kind of stuff um, throughout the whole season. Coupled on top of, you know, coming off of the deep run last year, which which went very late for obvious reasons. So it's... It's nice that, you know, we got through a whole season where we survived. Here we are at the end. You know, we played our second and third games with a full roster in the last two games of the season. And now we're kind of, you know, we've been not practicing as much probably as we did last year, certainly not as regularly. And it's, you know, the game reps are so, so, so important. And so to get an extra game in like a real playoff atmosphere and a game that matters, not just like any old regular season game, I think is going to help us. We lose a yeah. couple of days of rest and we lose a couple of days of like not necessarily knowing who we're going to play in the first round. But I think that's stuff we can overcome. We're going to play a Western Conference opponent. We play those teams four times a year, every single year. We're familiar with the West, uh, you know, our Western Conference opponents, but I think it's more important for us to get the game reps um, and, and, you know, hopefully start off the postseason on the right foot. Uh, I think those are the two biggest for me. Yeah. Uh, to touch on your reps point, or before I touch on that, just quickly, I wanted to uh, reference the Clippers ducking opponents and tanking, like blatantly tanking. And so I'll set the record straight about how I feel about it. Ultimately, I have no problem with them tanking or ducking or doing whatever the hell they want to do. It's very clear that the players knew what they were doing. My biggest problem is the Clippers bloggers and people within the Clippers sphere trying to say that this was just regularly scheduled rest and that they're main, they're putting health above everything. Like, well, no shit, you're putting health above everything, whatever. So is everybody else. But to act like 
this wasn't intentional. That's the part that I just scoff at <laughs> and like, dude, that's so ridiculous. Like the yeah. players themselves, that jump ball where Zubats was like, all right, see you guys later. I'm going, going to the bench now. Yeah. If the players themselves know what they're in on, you can't as a blog, Clippers blogger, like say with a straight face, yo, it's just part of the plan. This is what the Clippers have been doing all year. They've been giving guys like Jay Scrub 40 minutes. You know, it's just that time of the year. Right. If you can say that with a straight face, it's just so disingenuous. But I mean, that's uh, L.A. our way on that side. So. Well, it's like it's losing the last two games of the season to the two of the worst teams in the NBA <laughs> in games that like if you had just won one of those, it would have improved your seating and... You know, I guess we're finding out, you know, they, you know, they didn't clearly they didn't care about their seating. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy, dude. I mean, again, I, I don't I guess I don't necessarily have an issue with it, but I think, you know, basketball karma is pretty interesting. I feel like the way the Clippers approached last season spoke for itself in the postseason. Right. And I think it might it might be the same thing this year. You know, like the Lakers, all it would have taken for them, I, like it literally went to the last game, right? To determine our seating. All it would have taken for us to determine our seating much earlier, determine for final certainty that we weren't going to face the Clippers in the first round was to lose one game. But we won five straight. We kept the pressure on. We, we didn't care who we faced in the first round. And I think, you know, again, obviously this is a Lakers podcast, but like, I think that'll pay off for us um, in the long yeah. run. No, for sure. Um, to go back to your reps point, I think what you said at the end there matters the most in terms of reps in high-intensity basketball. Uh, we've been getting reps these last five games or whatever, but I almost feel like it's the normal, typical Lakers story of kind of being lulled to sleep, and I was almost worried that I don't want to head into a first-round series with the Lakers on a five-game winning streak playing, you know, lackadaisical opponents who, for one reason or another, may be resting their guys or they have other, you know, priorities and we have this false sense of security again and this false sense of arrogance. And I think the play-in games is actually, you know, now that I've come to terms with it, again, asterisk this with the notion that nobody gets injured in the because that's the right, biggest right, fear, right. right? But now that we're in this position and that I've come to terms with it, I think this is actually exactly what we need because if you remember last year, this team just totally did not take the bubble seeding game seriously for eight of those games, all eight games. And ultimately, it didn't end up mattering, right? But you remember what happened in game one against Portland, right? We lost that game. And right. so you can you can imagine what's going to happen with this team who doesn't have the same amount of continuity, who isn't as healthy as last year's team. Like, if we go into that first round sort of cold turkey with a five-game win streak, we may sort of, you know, do what we did last year where we have this false sense of security that we're back when we're really not and I like having this sort of precursor to, I think, what will be a more, maybe even a more intense game than game one of the actual first round, right? Because you're kind of playing for your playoff lives. Um, granted, the Lakers will still have one opportunity, even if they lose to the Warriors, but I'm pretty sure they want to get it done on Wednesday. And so by all accounts, this game against the Warriors, it's like the, the you have to be in that present moment and it's going to feel like that game seven sort of intensity. And you're not even going to get that in the first four or five games of the first round against the Jazz or the Suns, you know? So we have that benefit of being able to play a game like that before our opponent, 
You know, I think that's yeah. huge because our opponent right now is probably they've probably be, been lulled to sleep for the last two weeks. You know, I, I, right, I know the right. Suns have. Right. I mean, they just Monty Williams just won coach of the year. Great for him. But like for us, this is exactly based off of the makeup of this team and the personality of this team the last few years. They're the type of team that almost needs to be woken up. Right. And yep. this game seven, this one game seven sort of game against the Warriors is exactly what we need. And even honestly, well, even if we, we, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, look, the regular season, and this is why the, what the Clippers tried to do last season was annoying, right? And this is why what uh, the Nets had some in, real injuries this year, but before those injuries started, people, you know, folks in the media and basketball fans and whatnot were kind of annoyed by their strategy. Like, the regular season is not just a joke. It, the person who wins the championship is very often sure. Is there some degree of whoever gets hot at the right time is going to win? Then yeah, yeah, there is always every year there that comes into play, but generally it's like, who was the best team over the course of the year? Of course, health always matters, but the reps during the regular season matter and inevitably in a normal 82 game season on a normal timeline, there are going to be a bunch of games that are like, these are playoff type atmosphere games that, you have to rise to the occasion and you, you learn a lot about what, who, uh, you know, what your team is made of in those types of games because of all of the injuries we had, we have not had like hardly any of those. I mean, last year we had so Mm -hmm. many, I mean, like you could even think of before everything shut down for COVID, like, and these were, I was at these games, so I remember them, but you know, we had a big game at home against the Celtics. We had a big game against the Clippers. We had a big game against the Bucks. We won all of those, right? Like in the, two weeks or so before everything shut down for COVID. And that was really the stretch where you kind of saw, okay, this is what this team is. And now it's not just like regular season wins. Like this is a team that you can legitimately see doing this in the playoffs. We haven't gotten that this year. And, and so to your point, like, you know, Phoenix has been playing, if assuming we get Phoenix in the first round, they've been playing super healthy the entire season. They've had most of their guys around the entire season they are at this, like, uh, as of May 18th, 2021, probably slightly more prepared, at, at maybe more than slightly more prepared than we are, and, and we need to catch up. And I know it's just one game, hopefully, fingers crossed, but that game will make such a big difference for us because mm-hmm. it's like, it's not just like, oh, add one game to it, 40 games that, you know, all these guys played together. It's like, oh, add one game. It's like a 20% increase in the amount of games that we've had our full No, yeah, roster I, right I was going to say that too. It's almost like a micro This In this one game, you get yeah. like this because it's hard to – It's I'd imagine it's hard for the Lakers after playing – granted, I don't know how this is going to turn out. We may blow them out or whatever, but I'm assuming it's going to be semi-competitive and at least the intensity level will be spiked. But – I'm sure it's going to be hard to turn off that level of intensity like after a game like that. You know what I mean? And the fact that yep. it come like the playoffs is going to start maybe three or four, three days after you play this like high intensity basketball sort of game. I think that only benefits us because we're, we're never, we're not even going to get a chance to be lulled back into our typical, like, Oh, okay, we got this. You know what I mean? Like there's no time. So right. I'm actually glad that we're we have to go through this experience again, provided that nobody gets seriously injured or anything like that. And it's not even a worst case scenario if we lose somehow lose to the Warriors, which I don't think we will. But this again, when we've seen this is the type of team they really lock in once they sort of get you know punched in the mouth a little bit. Uh, I think they've been punched in the mouth enough this season to not have to you know 
have a loss to the Warriors to wake them up. But again, even if they do, I don't think it's even the worst case scenario, obviously, because they're going to get another shot against the the Grizzlies or the Spurs. Um, Regardless, I think those are pretty much the silver linings. I think the added one is that the Lakers are going to be on the road for pretty much all of their series. And for whatever reason, this team locks in way better when they're on the road. It was the Um, same case last year, too. Yeah, same case last year. And I'm guessing a part of that is because there's barely any fans at the Staples Center, too. So it's probably hard to muster up that that sort of excitement or, or what have you. But um, and I'm I'm almost 100 percent sure there's going to be way more people in uh, Phoenix than at Staples. But uh, regardless, um, yeah, I think the, the where the Lakers are at now that I'm thinking about it in retrospect, is exactly, I think, where they should be and probably gives us the best opportunity to adequately ramp up and almost get ourselves, like, I don't want to call it a stretch game, but we're going to have our muscles firing in all the right places, hopefully, by the time the first round starts. And at the very least, we'll have gotten one playoff-like game under our belts before Phoenix and or the Utah Jazz do. And so I think that's a benefit. Um, We're going to take it to break. When we return, we'll close our show just talking about how the Lakers have looked, uh, how confident we are against the Warriors, and then also just talk about any concerns we may have heading into the playoffs. So we'll take it to break, and when we return, we'll close things out. All right, so we're back. Uh, Yeah, simple question, Tommy. How do you think the Lakers have looked in these last five games, even though LeBron's only played, I think, that one game or one and a half games or whatever? Yeah, um, Anthony Davis has looked great. Um, we had a Marcus All closing. We had Marcus All closing a game, um, and honestly, every time Marcus All has been inserted, like the Lakers just go on a run. So use him more. But I think Frank Vogel knows that at this point. Wes Matthews and KCP have looked amazing. Dennis Schroeder's back. Obviously, he did not look great uh, in that first game against the the Pacers, but obviously he's been out for a while. So hopefully he gets his turnovers back under control because we're going to need him, especially with LeBron James, you know, less than 100%. Uh, Andre Drummond's been rebounding the hell out of the ball, great offensive rebounding, pitching it out to shooters, etc. Again, it's hard to really take away stuff from these last five games, but at the very least you're seeing individuals sort of uh, rounding into form here. So yeah, first, how have the Lakers looked to you? I guess how has LeBron looked to you? I mean, he had that crazy Skyhammer alley-oop jam with the one hand yep. Uh, yep. from Casey Pierce Schroeder. So that looked amazing, but obviously he tweaked his ankle after that, et cetera, et cetera. And he may be experiencing pain on that ankle in different ways versus, you know, just skying high for a dunk. Mostly probably feeling it when he has to cut or, you know, play defense. Um, but overall, I think, I mean, he's just such a immense and presence on the court that just his ability to suck in a defense when he takes two dribbles within the three-point line is enough to totally change your offensive game game plan so um yeah what have your thoughts been on LeBron and what have your thoughts been on how the Lakers have looked uh I thought LeBron has looked great I mean LeBron is just so good you know what I mean? He's just so good. He keeps his, himself in such good shape. Um, of course, there's there was a little bit of rust, maybe even in this first game that he came back. But Le- Rusty LeBron is still a top five player in the NBA, probably. So that's pretty crazy. Um, I, I think, you know, in terms of how we looked in general, it's so hard to say still. And that's like, you know, to your yeah. point you were making earlier is like, we won the last five in a row. And we certainly really tried to win 
several of those, certainly the, the ones against the playoff teams. Um, and certainly when it looked like there was a chance we could avoid the plan, but you know, the last two, we didn't really, it, it didn't feel like we were at that high level of intensity, but you know, you saw things that it, it, it was, and I think I mentioned to you uh, when we were watching these games, you know, it, it's kind of amusing in, in some ways to see what this team looks like fully healthy because we haven't had a good look at that the entire season. Either guys were resting mm-hmm. or hurt or whatever. So when you just see the onslaught of talent that, like, we can throw out on the court, like, LeBron sits. It's like, okay, LeBron's sitting, but you still have Schroeder and AD out there. You know, plus Marcus all just, like, running your offense. You know what I mean? When when – and then uh, AD sits and you got LeBron back in the game with like Montrez or, you know, whoever. Like, I mean, it's yeah. just there's so much offensive talent and these guys have shown over the course of the year that they'll play defense. Um, I I don't know what to expect. I kind of feel in, in some ways like going into that Portland series last year where we this team took months off. We saw them play eight games where they never really tried. Maybe they tried in that Clipper game in the bubble. Other than that, they they had first place locked up. They never really tried. And, you know, when game one hit, it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, but then they gentleman, you know, had a gentleman sweep of the Blazers and completely destroyed them and played them off the court. And they kept that high level of intensity, frankly, for like the whole series or the the whole playoffs overall. So I don't, I don't know that I can take a whole lot away from what we saw in the last few weeks uh, or sorry, the last couple of weeks, but I don't know. I'm excited. We know this team has the talent. We know what everybody, you know, on the roster can bring. Um, Here's and, one thing. W- yeah. What are your thoughts on how Anthony Davis has looked? Because I think that was the biggest concern. Yeah. Like yeah, if yeah. both Anthony Davis and LeBron James look 70%, we're probably screwed. But I'm at the very least encouraged that it's almost like, I don't know, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing for what maybe next year is going to look like, where we always thought the elevators were going to start going down and up in terms of you know Anthony Davis taking the reins. And Maybe we start to see that this year because he may just by default have to carry. I never want to say carry LeBron, but just because of health, he may have to. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And 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 so that was very, very, very encouraging to see because Anthony Davis, he's not just like LeBron's sidekick, right? Like Anthony Davis, we won the championship last year and we look so dominant in the playoffs because – Anthony Davis looked like a top five player in the entire NBA. I mean, this dude's numbers were just, I mean, like over 21 games playing 37 minutes a game, he shot 57%, 38% from three, 28 points, 10 boards, four assists, a steal, a block. I mean, like he was just destroying 83% from the line. I mean, if we need him to be, I won't say necessarily that level. It's It's always hard to like know for sure. I don't know. I don't want to say fluke is the wrong word, but you know, is that a, like a once in a lifetime type of performance or is he going to be able to replicate it? I don't, I'm not saying he needs to replicate that exactly, but it, he needs to be somewhat close to that because he's a super, super, super important part of what we're trying to do here. And, you know, like you said, LeBron's getting older. Um, we've had a lot of disjointedness on our team in general, but if Anthony Davis balls out, it really feels like nothing else is, is going to matter to be honest. Yeah, and I think that's one other tidbit that I maybe liken back to the 2001 season because 
like the 2001 season, that was the first year that for me I was like, oh, this is maybe Kobe's team now. You know, like right, the, right. he he showed stuff in the first championship season, but that was the year where you're like, oh shit, he's he wants to take over. And so maybe we could see that from Anthony Davis now, even though he had a spectacular playoff season last year, as you just mentioned. But this may be the year where it's like LeBron can finally look at Anthony Davis. And I know he's been saying it to the media that it's Anthony Davis's team or whatever, but he may actually believe it himself. LeBron may believe it. Anthony Davis might believe it. And the fans actually may believe it for the first time and be like, oh, yeah, maybe it is Anthony Davis's team. So excited to see how that turns out. Just honestly crossing fingers that he stops clutching his freaking like heel area or whatever. It's right. just always bad news bears whenever I see him, like, especially when it's everything seems like non-contact with Anthony Davis these days. Yeah. And, so, and his limbs so, are so like long. And every time he falls down, all I see is like limbs going in every direction. And I'm like, uh, oh my God. Just God. God spare us. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it should be exciting. So I agree with you. I think um, it's hard to take anything away. The the thing you can take away is that, all right, Anthony Davis looks healthy. LeBron James looks healthy enough. And everybody seems ready to go. Everybody's locked into the same goal mindset now. There's no looking back. There shouldn't be any ulterior motives at this point. Um, so, yeah, this is where the rubber meets the road and we get to see what the Lakers are made of. So I guess to transition out of that, like, do you have any concerns? I mean, obviously I think you have concerns, but like to make it a little bit more specific, what are some things that you're pinpointing outside of the obvious, like injuries or LeBron James health or whatever? Um, what are specific concerns you have? Yeah. So I, I think, um, I think the concern, the big concern is the team's somewhat, you know, lack of ability to keep focus, you know, at, at, at times mm -hmm. it, it kind of comes into play, frankly, specifically with, with uh, respect to this play in game, because I know we went two and one against the Warriors this year, but I'm sure everybody recalls we had like a 30 point leader. I mean, like yeah. Yeah, it was like the biggest, <laughs> it was like the biggest comeback in the NBA this season or okay, it must've been one of the biggest. We had a huge lead. Yeah. I mean, we were blowing him out and then everybody, it was early in the season. Everybody kind of just stopped playing. Um, so I, I guess that's the one concern I have about this team is they have so much talent and they kind of know they have so much talent and, you know, two thirds of the guys who were part of the core rotation or so are like, were on the championship team last year. And so maybe they have some sort of feeling that they could just turn it on. And so anyway, I get kind of worried about that. It's very, very difficult to beat any playoff team, which in a normal year, the Warriors are a playoff team. They're an eight seed. It's very difficult yeah. to beat them um, four times in a row in a season. And again, I know we went two and one against them, but I consider, I kind of consider it at least from their perspective, they must be thinking of, we blew this team out like three times. You know what I mean? Like I, I just right, get right. worried about those kinds of thoughts. And to me, I think that is the number one biggest issue. I think everything else, all the like random stuff that we've dealt with, with rotations and, and, you know, guys maybe not being happy with their role and, and all that kind of stuff that will go away when you start winning playoff games and advancing in series and start making noise and start feeling internally like you have a legit chance to win. But the, you know, kind of the mindset generally, I, I don't know, that that is makes me a little bit worried about the playoff game specifically. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my one of my concerns is kind of sounds counterintuitive on the surface and I think I'm actually concerned with 
LeBron trying to push himself too hard and trying to take everything on himself. So what I mean by this is, obviously LeBron isn't 100%. We don't need him to be 100%. But but you know the type of competitor Le- LeBron is. And I'm a little bit worried that even if we all know that he is, let's say, 75%, he still kind of forces the issue. And we've seen when LeBron forces the issue, right? Um, I'm scared if he he falls into the narrative of, and it, to some extent, you want him to like grasp onto the like underdog narrative, right? And the washed king stuff. I'm just worried if he goes too far that direction, being hobbled, if that makes any sense. Because yeah. if he does, then you're not going to get the. So the 75% version of LeBron where we still win a championship is the one where he knows he's that way and he's choosing to like make all the right reads, make all the right passes. He's just going to feed Anthony Davis day in, day out for the entire game. The bad version of that is he's still LeBron James, so he's going to take over during clutch situations and jack up a bunch of threes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm scared of that where he just feeds into like, oh, I got to show people. Even though he, he plays the right way, you know, 90% of the time, he still has these moments, kind of like Kobe did too, where he just wants to prove something. And I think especially if he's hindered, that may be detrimental to us, especially if we get into a number of close games. And this is not to say that I doubt LeBron's ability to close or whatever, but if he's clearly not 100%, um, and most more, I, I, you know, I'll clarify, qualify this by saying more oftentimes than not, he'll, I'm pretty sure he'll know for himself and he will feed AD instead. But I just hope he has more of those times versus I still got to show them I'm LeBron and I'm going to take over and like force the issue. So that's one of my kind of minor concerns. We'll see whether or not that even comes to play. But but yeah. Do you have anything else? I don't think I have anything else. I mean, I... Let me think. I I hope that if we and here's another thing that you kind of lose um, with not having a full team together, and especially in a weird season like this where you don't necessarily get the chance to do the normal bonding and and team chemistry stuff that you would do in a normal season, and certainly what the team last year you know really excelled at because we had I mean it was just you could feel it right the best chemistry in the entire league. I get worried a little bit about when things get tough, are these guys going to rally against each other? There's always adversity mm-hmm. in playoff runs. Things always come up. Are these guys going to rally against each other or are certain of the guys going to be thinking of how am I going to make myself look good to get ready for my next contract, right. right? Because there are some guys on our team who are due for huge paydays next year. And Look, I, I'm not saying they're thinking about that today. I'm just saying they're human beings. And at some point, those thoughts right, might cross right. their, their minds if things don't go as, according to plan. Um, I'm a little bit, a little bit worried like that. I'd like to think that, you know, it's fine. We made it through the season. Everything worked out. Um, but yeah, that that's another thing that's kind of For sure. in the back of my mind. For sure. Uh, I think my last thing would probably be, and I think this is always a concern until he proves us wrong, which he probably will. Um, but I think the concern is more because of this year and just how wonky it's been. But uh, Vogel getting too cute with things um, and continuing to close with Drummond. We'll see how much it is, how much of this season is going to be like last season where when 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 the rubber meets the road, Vogel's like, all right, Dion Waiters, you're not playing a lick anymore. 
Is it going to be the same this year where it's like, all right, Ben McLemore, you're not going to play. Drummond, you're ineffective. Short leash, yanks him. Marcus All plays, you know? Um, right. I think that'll be the case, but I don't know. This season has been so weird, and Drummond is a different case than what we've had in the past, and it seems like Vogel has had to service so many different things. Um, I hope that he doesn't make an adjustment too late if he has to. So that would be my only other thing. Um, okay, quickly, your one-minute thought on like playing the Warriors here. I think initially I was pretty scared, and I think even in the last podcast I was like, if we face the Warriors, we're going to lose just because Steph Curry is that amazing. But then, I mean, I, I remember what we did against Damian Lillard and James Harden last year who had much, I don't know about much more help, um, but yeah. when we can focus in on one guy, we're a pretty damn good team and we can shut – their water off essentially and regardless of how good Steph Curry is I think him lacking just that second scoring punch and I know Andrew Wiggins has been pretty good this year or whatever but it's it's not enough you know so I think like and we're just going to overwhelm them with size on the other end too is the other thing but I'm just even focusing on what we're going to do about Steph and I think the Lakers have proven time and time again, as well as Vogel, that when they can hone in, and it's literally just one player, so it's not even like what we had to do with uh, Portland, right, where it was uh, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and at times Gary Trent Jr. I feel like that was a tougher matchup for us. And so, again, in this one game, I feel like we'll be able to put the clamps down on Curry to some extent. But yeah, what are your thoughts on this matchup versus the Warriors? I like the matchup. If it was a seven-game series, obviously no-brainer. Of course, the risk comes with the one-game play-in. Um, you know, I Steph is Steph. He's going to do what he's going to do. We've been able to contain him this year, but again, <laughs> you know, to my point earlier, it's it, you can do something three times. To do it something four times in a row is very difficult in the NBA against like a legitimate playoff team and against an all-star like Steph Curry. I, I'm, I would not expect that we're going to hold him to like 42% shooting or whatever we did in the three matchups earlier this season. I suspect he will, even if he's 42%, maybe from three, right? Like he, I, I think he's going to be reigning threes. I think the big thing that I'm concerned about with the Warriors is in a one game play in a random, like, and I don't, I guess maybe random is, is a little bit not appropriate here, but if Draymond Green hits like five threes, that could be the game. Oh, you know what I mean? That's, that's and true. Like, like he never makes threes and everybody leaves him wide open. And you know, our game plan is going to be to leave him wide open. And I just wonder like, at what point do we adjust? Because if he's hitting those threes early, you just have to be careful. Again, seven-game series, I take my chances, let him shoot as many threes as he wants. But it's one game. If he hits five right, threes, which true. he could do, that that could really, really put us in a bad spot. Um, yeah, and, then, and I think the big or obvious Jordan one Poole. is... Jordan Poole gets hot, or I know, Mulder, yeah. I whoever mean, the hell I, Mulder is. I don't even know who Mulder is, but I saw some <laughs> random dude the other day on the Warriors, and I was like, who is this guy? He scores like 20 points a game all of a sudden. He kind of looks like Steph Curry. It's a little bit wild. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And but, then there's know, the Kent Bazemore revenge game. I mean, uh, there's a lot. There's like a lot of <laughs> angles here, right? And, and, and so it's going to be... The crazy thing, and I know this is like such a cop-out answer, but the crazy thing is this game could go like two ways. Either I think we're going to blow them out if we like execute according to plan and like the, their, uh, their guys don't get un- unexpectedly hot, or it's really going to go down to the wire. Um, I know, big shocking breaking news here, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, I get a little bit... I don't know. Again, it comes... We were one of the best three-point shooting... T- Defense teams Defensive, in the yeah. yeah in the NBA this year. So 
you would think that would help us against the Warriors, but in a one, in a you know, they're playing so much better than they were. We all three of our matchups against them were relatively early in the season. Um, I think the last one was February or something, but you know, it, they're playing much much better than you know they were back then. But we're also much healthier than we've been. Um, through January or whatever, we were playing like a one two seed. Um, rest of the season, we weren't even playing like a playoff team on the whole, right? That's how we dropped from mm -hmm. two to seven. Uh, they've kind of done the opposite. They weren't playing like a playoff team the last time we saw them. They've gone completely the opposite direction. They're frankly, I I, I think they're better than some of the teams that are. I, I don't know. I don't want to trash on Portland, but I I would be more worried about if I was most teams in the league playing Golden State in the seven game series versus Portland or you know something like that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess those are my main concerns. I, I still think we match up so well against them that even in a one game, like winner take all type of situation, we should be fine. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is wild to think about, but this is the first time like this iteration of the Lakers since LeBron James came is going to play a playoff game with actual fans in it. Because last year, there weren't any fans, right? So it's the first time KCP is going to play with fans in the playoff setting, Kyle Kuzma, et cetera. So you also kind of wonder, like, how do they respond to that? Even though there's, like, way less fans than there normally would be, but there are going to be fans as opposed to last year where, you know, maybe that benefited certain players because they could block that out. There's, like, no nerves or whatever. Uh, there might be a little bit of nerves here for this random Game 7 sort of game. But um, I'm excited to watch our first playoff game during this pandemic season with actual fans and then see the atmosphere and just feel sort of the chills and the goosebumps going down your spine if things get sort of dicey and guys rise to the occasion, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for our episode. I guess last, last question is, Tommy, it looks like if we win against Golden State, we face the Suns. Yep. I mean, do you have a preference between the Suns or Jazz or do you kind of view them similarly? Uh, I view them similarly. They both have, you know, they like every team, they've got their strengths and weaknesses. I guess like the one thing that helps us against Phoenix as a first round matchup is this is not a team that is heavy on experience. They've obviously got Chris Paul. He has his own history of like, I, I'm not, I, I'm not saying suggesting Chris Paul is going to choke, but he has never made it past like what the second round. Yeah. So, you know, he is going to be tough as he always is. He's going to be playing balls out as he always does. They've obviously got Booker, who's dangerous. They've got a ton of depth. They're very well coached, coach of the year, you know, Monty Williams. So it it is not going to be by any means an easy matchup, but their inexperience will make it maybe a little bit better for us, right? I, it would be tough to go in. I don't know. I still think we could beat the Jazz too, but I, I think it's a little bit tougher Um Defensive Player of the Year and Gobert, obviously Donna uh, Spadad Mitchell is there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like an embarrassingly long amount of time that I would see his yeah. handle and think it said Spadad Mitchell instead of Spida D Mitchell. Um, yep, Spadad. Yeah, Spadad is there, and you know they've obviously got some good wing depth uh, for defensive purposes. They've got the Sixth Man of the Year. So yeah, the Jazz are the more well-rounded team with more experience because yeah. they got Ingles and Bogdanovich, and then. Um... Yeah, Conley, Conley's solid, so. And they played, and, you know, they're coming off, uh, you know, bringing back most of the guys who were on the team last year. Right, they blew right, the 3-1 right. lead against Denver, so they're playing with a chip on their shoulders. So I, I would, I'm fine playing either. We have to beat one of those two to eventually make it through the West anyway. They're obviously the mm -hmm. number one and two seed. So 
I'm fine with either. I just think in the short term, like where we are as the team, I would prefer Phoenix. Yeah, I agree. I think we're in a good spot. Um, so yeah, here we go. Play in Mortal Kombat. I don't even know. Do they yell Mortal Kombat or is there a guy with a deep movie. voice that goes Mortal Kombat? <laughs> um, all right, that's it. I will be at the game. I guess I can give my thoughts after that or whatever. And uh, yeah, we will catch you guys next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. And please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app because it is the playoffs. It is the play-in. The Lakers road to number 18 starts tomorrow against the Golden State Warriors. Tonight's episode is called Quit Play-In Games. You know what I'm saying? Like the Backstreet Boys song. All right, that's it. Uh, Tommy, sure. I will catch you later. Peace. Later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.